church tonight, isn't it? And uh, thank you. Wow, isn't that a blessing? The message of that song. This, I mean, do you have the words and the, the music for the song that you sang at VBS that you and Vanessa sang? Can we do that at the end of the service? Is that possible? Yeah. We're, we're really organized here. I mean, it just can't be for the moment. Got to be ready for everything, okay? Yeah, correct, yeah. So, we're, Brother Ray, that'll make you a proud grandpa, won't it? Amen. And uh, not a blessing. Uh, Colossians chapter 4, if you find your place, would you stand with me as uh, we open up the Word of God here tonight? And so good to be in church here this evening. Grateful. Grateful for your faithfulness. It's just good to be in church, and uh, and we we sure need this. Uh, you know, we're looking at this section. I'm going to go ahead and, and just read this, beginning at verse number 7 of Colossians chapter 4. Uh, I know sometimes when we read through the Bible, we get to these names, and uh, we don't really study them out. But, uh, wow, I, I have thoroughly enjoyed this. And uh, just going through these names, we'll review them just uh, just a bit tonight. And all my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a beloved brother, a faithful minister, a fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they shall make known unto you all things which are done here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you, and Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas, touching whom you receive commandments. If he come unto you, receive him. And Jesus, which is called Justice, who are of the circumcision, these only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you and them that are in Laodicea and them in Aeropolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. And uh, we're going to kind of review what we've covered and then pick up here tonight and uh, finish up um, on this section here this evening. If you'll join me, let's go to the Lord in, in prayer. And uh, you ask right now the Lord's way to be done in this service, and we sure need to hear from Him. I don't want to ever have church and not hear from the Lord. I want to, every time that we come together that the Lord would be honored, that His word would be lifted up and that he would speak to us by his spirit through his word. And we sure need that tonight, Father. Thank you, Lord, just uh, your presence in this place. And I thank you that we stand in Christ alone. And, Lord, the blood that's been shed, the salvation that's been given, and what victory you've granted unto us. And, Lord, we owe all to you here this evening. As we open up your word tonight, we ask for your power, your filling. Lord, just ask tonight that you would direct your message exactly as needed. Uh, in every heart, and Lord, have your way in this service. We, we want to see you exalted, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated here this evening. One of the things that i uh, tried to emphasize as we've gone through this section of Scripture is that uh, Paul had many faithful friends in the ministry, and I think Paul uh, very clearly understood the importance of, uh, of teamwork. Uh, he worked with the team. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm really beginning to realize that um, uh, missions work, I think, would be much, much more effective if uh, we were able to send out teams into areas. And uh, sometimes, uh, you know, we'll send a family out or an individual out, and there's a lot of loneliness and 
a lot of things that they deal with, the trials, the temptations, the furloughs, all of that. And, and I've just seen the blessing of teens going to the mission field and more and more coming to this conclusion. I think that's uh, Paul and uh, how Paul uh, developed uh, the, the ministry and planted the churches. Uh, uh, he would take a team. They would work together. They would win souls. They would disciple those souls. They would plant churches. And, and then often uh, Paul, after a church had been planted, he would travel on to another location, and some of that team would stay behind and just strengthen that church. And uh, then there would be times that Paul would send uh, another member of the team, and, and they would go maybe to a struggling church or to a situation to deliver news or to gain news uh, from that church. Uh, it was a team work as they traveled and worked together. And, and uh, in the book of Acts, we pointed out and through the epistles of Paul, uh, over 100 names of people that Paul worked with. And so it's very clear uh, it was teamwork as they uh, did the work of Christ. And uh, often we, we hear the name of Paul. We, we think of Paul as this great missionary. I think he was the greatest missionary outside of Christ of all time. Uh, yet it's very clear that Paul did not do this alone. We, we often hear of Paul and his success, but behind Paul uh, are these men that sometimes we don't think about, these men that God used in such a mighty way, and I think eternity is going to bear record uh, of the accomplishment uh, that, uh, that was uh, a part of their lives. Now, here in the book of Colossians, uh, Paul named several co-laborers uh, in that uh, the, the Colossian church was also familiar with. Uh, a lot can be learned as we study these co-laborers. And uh, again, uh, God's work is teamwork. That's the work of a church. Uh, it's a teamwork. Uh, we're a body. Uh, just as your body works together, uh, the hands and the feet and the eyes, uh, a team works together in a local church. And as with missionary work, some water and some plant and some cultivate, God gives the increase and all the glory has to go to the Lord. Uh, God gives us differently. Isn't that a blessing? And as he builds the church and uh, puts together the different uh, ministries and people, and been so blessed here at Valley Bible Baptist just to see as God uh, builds the team together. Now, quickly, let's just review through some of these. So we go back to the writers, the messengers of this letter. Uh, we have uh, Tychicus, uh, verses 7 and 8. Uh, what a statement of him. Uh, All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a beloved brother, faithful minister, fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. And uh, we find him often in the book of Acts traveling with Paul the Apostle. And I love how Paul uh, labels him, evident there's great respect for Tychicus. Uh, we have Onesimus in verse number 9. And uh, this is really a neat uh, thought here with Onesimus. And, and notice the statement here, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. Uh, we know that Onesimus was the runaway slave. Uh, this was Philemon's runaway slave. He had not always been faithful. Uh, but providence and God always works. You can't escape God. And in his running from Philemon, he ends up with Paul. And uh, there Paul leads him to the Lord. He becomes Paul's son in the faith. And uh, Paul uh, trains this uh, young man. And now he's a faithful uh, minister. He's from Colossae. And uh, what a change the gospel makes. Isn't that a blessing? When the gospel gets a hold of a heart, uh, takes a runaway slave and molds him into a faithful servant of the Lord. Uh, these are the messengers uh, that uh, we read about here. 
Then we have those of the circumcision. There are three names mentioned. They are Jewish co-laborers. In verse number 10, we have Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you. Often, again, in the book of Acts, traveled with Paul. Seems he gave his own freedom to be a fellow prisoner. It reminds me of the, of the uh, uh, Moravian Christians, the two men that sold themselves into slavery, felt a call of God to minister to the slaves. They sold themselves into slavery, gave up their own freedom uh, to take the gospel to the very people that God called them to. And it seems that Aristarchus, as you study the book of Acts and study some of the letters of Paul, uh, became a fellow prisoner with Paul uh, by Paul's side. Uh, then we have Marcus. Uh, we know a lot about him. John Mark, in verse number 10, uh, reads, Of Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas, touching whom you receive commandments. If he come unto you, receive him. And uh, remember a time when Paul would not receive him. Uh, it was John Mark that uh, journeyed with Paul and Barnabas in Acts chapter 13. Uh, he quit in the middle of the race. Uh, that became on the second missionary journey a point of contention. The dissension was so strong that Paul and Barnabas divided. And Paul takes with him a Silas and Barnabas takes John Mark. And uh, who was right? I think they were both right. I think uh, John Mark needed uh, both of them uh, in his life. Needed the firmness at the time of Paul but needed the, the compassion of Barnabas. And he's restored now. And here's the blessing that we learn from John Mark is uh, if you've fallen, the righteous man falleth seven times, but he riseth again. And Paul at the end of uh, uh, his life says of John Mark that he's profitable to me for the ministry. And so here's John Mark. We know the author, uh, human author of the gospel of Mark and restored into full usefulness of the Lord. Isn't that a wonderful blessing of, of John Mark? Uh, we have justice mentioned in verse number 11. And Jesus, which is called Justice, who are the circumcision, these only are my fellow workers under the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort to me and very little known of him. This is the only reference uh, of justice in the Bible. God took notice, though, of his service to Paul, recorded it in the divine book, and we have it now for all ages. And uh, the principle of this is that God knows even the little things, isn't it? And he will reward even that small thing. Maybe people don't take notice of, but God takes notice of those little things. Uh, we have then uh, Epaphras. He's the prayer warrior. And we read about him in verses 12 and 13. Who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you always, laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect, complete in all the will of God. I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you, them that are of Laodicea and them in Anarpolis. Uh, indication that he was saved as a result of Paul's ministry in the city of Ephesus. Uh, he's from Colossae, uh, evidently went back to Colossae, planted the church there, pastored this church for a time also, uh, became instrumental in planting churches in Laodicea and Iarpolis. And at this point in his ministry, he's a faithful prayer warrior. And there are times in our lives where God may put us on our back or maybe in prison is this case. And uh, we're not able to minister in the same way as maybe at one time. But listen, you can always pray. Uh, we have encouraged my mother-in-law after the death of my father-in-law. Uh, and uh, mother-in-law just grieving. But we've encouraged her, said, uh, we need you to pray for us. You are our prayer warrior. And we've just put together just a list for her to pray. And that's her ministry right now is to pray. And it's such a needful ministry, fervently praying for others. And this is Epaphras, as God is using him. He laboreth or laboring fervently for you in prayers. 
Luke, uh, verse 14. Uh, I like Luke in the Bible. Luke, the beloved physician. And uh, Luke uh, was a, uh, a Gentile, uh, joined Paul in Troas, traveled often with Paul. Uh, we know in Acts chapter 27 that he was with Paul in the shipwreck and that he traveled with Paul to Rome and uh, he spent time with Paul in prison. And think about this, as we mentioned Paul, uh, uh, an apostle, the signs of an apostle upon Paul, many healings as the result of Paul's ministry. But here's Paul traveling with the physician. We think uh, Paul maybe had some eye troubles. And here's Luke, the beloved physician in Paul's life. I, I thank the Lord often for Brother Ho and uh, beloved physician here at uh, Valley Bible Baptist. Here's a Gentile, I, I believe the only Gentile author, uh, a human author of a, of a book in, in the Word of God. Isn't that amazing? God uses him, uh, but he traveled with Paul, a faithful laborer with Paul. Now, we started with Demas last week here in verse 14, just a small statement made of Demas. He says, and Demas greets you. There are only three mentions of Demas in the Bible. And I believe chronologically they tell us a story. The first mention is in Philemon 24. And there Demas is called a fellow laborer. Uh, he's linked with three good men in that particular verse. And then the second mention is this here in Colossians chapter 4, verse 14, just simply says, Demas, greet you. And then if you would turn your Bibles with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4, we have the final reference to Demas. Uh, understand that 2 Timothy is the last book that Paul the Apostle penned. And Paul says in chapter 4 of this, uh, of this book, uh, he says, the time of my departure is at hand, in verse 6. He says, I, I'm now ready to be offered. He said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. And Paul says, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that loved his appearing. Uh, these are some of the last words that Paul would pen. It's not long after this that uh, Paul there in the Roman prison is beheaded for his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He knew that that time was coming. And so here Paul is, is he's telling his story. And isn't this a wonderful uh, story that he tells? I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. He's been a faithful laborer for the Lord Jesus Christ. God has mightily used him. He's come to the end of the race and well done, thou good and faithful servant. There's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. What a testimony to be able to give. But not long after that statement, I want you to read verse 10. And this is the final reference of Demas. He says, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Paul can say, I finished my course. There's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. But the last mention of Demas is Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. What happened to Demas? Uh, it's been the story of many a choice servant of God through the years. Uh, Demas, it's evident, had been used of God. He was in Philemon, a faithful laborer. He's mentioned in Colossians chapter 4 in, in this list. But here in the final reference, Demas has walked away. What happened? Used to be faithful. 
used to walk with God. The Bible says the world pulled him away, having loved this present world. And I want to take that, that thought tonight because I, I believe uh, this is such a need. Now think about this. Here's Paul at the end of the race. I fought a good fight. He's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Friend, I, I think the Lord's coming back. I think it could be soon. We don't know when, but uh, I tell you, there are going to be many a one that kind of like we have here, uh, those that finish the race and well done, but those like Demas that before the end of the race, they have forsaken me having loved the present world. And I cannot think of a more horrible way. Now, understand something. Salvation is secure. We preach that over and over and over again. One that is in Christ, that can never be taken away from them. That's secure forever. But I believe one that is saved and, and then turns away from the Lord, if they truly knew the Lord, and again, we don't know any heart, but if they truly knew the Lord, the reward that could have been theirs, the loss of usefulness, the loss of future rewards, and think about this, the loss of the privilege of having been with Paul through the end of his race, that, that world, well, it'll use you, uh, it'll abuse you, and it'll spit you out. And we've said this many a time that uh, sin will take you further than you want to go, and it'll keep you longer than you want to stay, and it'll cost you more than you want to pay. And that seems to be the story of Demas here. Now, I want to, to think about this tonight, the call out of the world. See, God gives to his children a very strong call. Uh, the world and its ways, no man can serve two masters. For either he love the one and hate the other, or else despise the one and holds of the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and the world. It's an impossibility to do so at the same time. I, I want you to go to the book of 1 John for just a moment, and God makes this very clear in the book of 1 John. In 1 John chapter 1, we read in verse number 3, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us. Truly our fellowship is with the Father, with His Son Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. This then is the message you have heard of Him, declare to you that God is light in Him is no darkness at all, if we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. You cannot walk in darkness and in light at the same time. You cannot walk in the love of the Lord and the love of the world at the same time. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 tells us clearly, Love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world passeth away, the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. As we think about uh, Demas, we don't know what tripped Demas up. We don't know, was it the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, was it the pride of life? Things have never changed. These are the same temptations that came to Eve in the Garden of Eden. Uh, maybe it was a combination of all of these, but the fact is Demas chose a path that cost him dearly. It cost him usefulness. It cost him future reward. 
And as the Bible said, the world passeth away and the lust thereof. And only that which is done for the Lord Jesus Christ is going to last. Uh, the world uses you, as we said, and it'll spit you out. And that seems to be what happened to Demas. God calls us out of this world system. Uh, we read in James chapter 4, verse 4, You adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be the friend of the world is the enemy of God. You can't be the friend of the world and the friend of God at the same time. Uh, I want you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. This is a passage that uh, God tremendously used at one point in my life. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And we read beginning at verse number 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? What part hath he that believeth with an infidel? What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them, walk in them. I will be their God. They shall be my people. And then God said, Wherefore come out from among them. Be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing. I will receive ye. I will be a father unto ye. Ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. As we read about this, God calls us clearly. You can't worship idols and the Lord at the same time. We were in, in Haiti and the missionary there had expressed as we would go through town after town, I would ask, is there a good church in this town? And he would say, no, there's, there's not a good church in this town. There's a voodoo church. Uh, but he said, this is a combination of, of Christianity and voodooism. They've mixed the two together and it's a false gospel. There's no truth in it. And well, heart, he would weep and just cry as he would tell that story. You, you can't mix the things of the world with the things of God. You cannot mix uh, the false concepts of, of the world and religion uh, with true Christianity. It just doesn't fit together. As we study the life of, of many of the servants of God, I love Moses, and just quickly go through uh, Hebrews 11 with me. And uh, you'll see here in the life of Moses that Moses rejected the world, and we know mightily Moses used of God. And in this faith chapter of the Bible, we read the story of Moses. And I just want to read through this. And in the Bible, Egypt is a picture of the world. And we read of Moses, by faith Moses, in verse 24, Hebrews 11, uh, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, uh, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Uh, he rejected the world's people. Now, understand, Jesus loved people, and the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And as we've been preaching on Sunday morning, he was a friend of sinners, and uh, publicans and sinners made their way to, to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not what we're talking about tonight. We need to constantly love the world and reach uh, people for the Lord Jesus Christ. And God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And, and friend, don't ever forget what the gospel does. The gospel changes lives. And don't you ever forget from whence you come. And don't you ever forget that uh, you've been brought up out of the mire and from the pits of hell if you're saved. And you've been forgiven and it's been the blood of Jesus. Don't ever forget that. And, and don't ever become as the Pharisees to I thank God I'm not like this publican and that's not what we're talking about tonight uh, Jesus loved people but listen he rejected and hated sin and sin took him to the cross and it was for sin that he gave his life 
and gave his blood. And the Bible tells us we cannot make a compromise with sin in our lives. That's what we're talking about. And Moses rejected the sin of the world. He rejected the pleasures of the world. As you read on through this, esteeming in verse 26, the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Uh, he had opportunity for all of the wealth of Egypt and he chose the Lord Jesus Christ. And he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. And this says, by faith, he forsook Egypt. He turned his back upon the world, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. And we know that God so mightily used Moses as he turned from the world. Friend, that's the call of God out of the world. But there's that charm, that lure of the world. And the world has caused the downfall of many servants of God. And we have Demas. Now, what was it that pulled Demas away? Now, Demas had forsaken me, having loved this present world. I want to give you a couple of possibilities here tonight. And I want you to go back with me to Genesis chapter 12 for just a moment. This is the life of Abraham. What pulled Demas away? See, the world offers security, although it is a false security. God called Abram out of Ur of the Chaldees. Abram arrived in Canaan land. God met with him there. But we read in verse number 10, And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down. He backslid into Egypt, the world, to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. So here is a, a famine that took Abraham out of the will of God into the world or into Egypt. And could it be in the life of Demas that maybe discouragement or disappointment or spiritual fruitlessness? And, you know, there are times of sowing and there are times of reaping. And, and there are some times in ministry where uh, we work and we labor and we sow and we don't necessarily see results. And there are some times that we're disappointed. And there are some times that maybe we wonder where is the Lord. And there may be some times we pray and we feel our prayers don't rise above the ceiling. And uh, this is uh, Abraham. He's going through a physical famine in the land. And I've seen many turn to Egypt or turn to the world going through some spiritual famine in their lives or some spiritual difficulties in that. And maybe Demas went through those spiritual tough times. And Demas had forsaken me, having loved the present world. The Bible doesn't tell us, but I think there's a lot of things uh, through his life that we learn. Uh, the world offers treasures. Go to Genesis 13. See, the world, Egypt, cost Abram dearly. That's where he picked up Hagar. He was in the world. He left. Uh, eventually, I'm grateful he came back, uh, Genesis 13, back to the altar, back to Bethel. But I want you to see in the life of Lot in verse number 10, Genesis 13. It says, And Lot lifted up his eyes, and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest to Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan. Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. It seems that um, Lot made a business decision. 
And he lifted up his eyes. He saw the plains well watered like the land of Egypt, like the world. And Lot got his eyes off of Bethel, off of the house of God, off of the things of God, pitched his tent towards Sodom. And then in Genesis 19, we read that he's sitting in the gates of Sodom. And the world cost Lot very deeply, very dearly. Second Timothy chapter 6, or 1 Timothy chapter 6 warns, that the love of money, it's not money, but the love of money becomes the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And that seems to be the story of Lot. Is that what took Demas out of God's will? Was it the lure of treasure, the lure of the world? We don't know, but it's a possibility. The world offers sexual pleasures. Many a servant of God has been lured out of God's will through a relationship. And you know, we often teach this young people in our school. And, and, God, and uh, God's got a, a will for you. And you don't want to let a relationship take you out of God's will. You want to wait on God. You want to follow God. You want to follow God's will. Uh, we read of David and Bathsheba and Solomon loved many strange women and there was Samson and Delilah. What was the downfall of Demas? Was it a sinful relationship? Was it a sexual bondage? We don't know. But it's a possibility the world, the love of the world took him away from the will of God. You know, in our day of social media and the availability of pornography, uh, secret relationships, uh, the world today presses upon the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. And it's a constant bombardment, a constant pressure today. And was it that lust that took Demas out of the will of God and into the world? The world offers sinful entertainment. Did Demas get caught up in partying, playing, selfish living, and entertainment? Solomon had it all available in the book of Ecclesiastes. He had the wine and the women and the parties, but Solomon said all his vanity, and he came to the end, and he said, here the conclusion of the whole matter, fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. Read the story of Adoniram Judson, the great missionary to Burma. And Adoniram Judson, before he was saved, lived a party life until he had a friend die. And that friend, he began to realize that uh, in the death of that friend, uh, the world, uh, just could not, could not fulfill in the end. And this Demas, though, what was it? Uh, the world. Uh, the world can offer power, position. We mentioned Moses. I think he was in line to be the next Pharaoh. And yet Moses rejected that power and that position to follow the call of God to lead the children of, uh, of Israel out of the land of Egypt and into the promised land. He chose God's will. Uh, did a position of prestige? Take Demas away. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved the present world. We don't know. A um, few moments of false pleasure. What we do know is he traded eternal rewards for just a few temporal blessings that would soon fade. Sin can be pleasurable for a season, but the season of sin always leads to death. The wages of sin is always death. What was it with Demas? Well, there's the charm of the world. That season of charm ends. I want you to go with me to 1 John. I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, the conquering of the world. You see, Demas need not be the path of anyone. 
God will never give you a temptation or allow a temptation or a situation, but what His grace is not sufficient for you. And in anything that God allows, God will offer grace in this situation. And so how do we conquer the world? The Bible makes this very clear. We can walk in the light. We read 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. If we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. And we shared this thought here recently that if Jesus is here, my goal ought to be to walk with Jesus, to walk in the light, to stay as close to Jesus as I can stay. Uh, so often where we get into trouble is we begin to come to a line and we say, I want to get as close to the world as I can. I don't want to go into the world, but I want to get as close to the world as I can. And uh, the problem is we're far from Jesus. And friend, it's not long till the old devil and the lust pulls us over. And here's the key, walk in the light. Stay as close to Jesus as you can. You can't walk in darkness and in light at the same time. See, a cure for anything is thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Uh, if you love me, Jesus said, keep my commandments. Stay in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that is so crucial. Stay as close to Jesus. Walk in the light. Now walk in the truth. Look in 1 John chapter 2, verse 27. 1 John 2, verse 27. He says, but the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you, and you need not any man teach you. It's the same anointing teacheth you of all things is truth, is no lie. Even as it taught you, you shall abide in him. Now little children abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him is coming. You know that he is righteous. You know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. You can walk in the truth. What is the truth? It's the word of God. And I guarantee you that nobody fell who didn't first get out of the word of God. And stay close. I, I would guarantee you that Demas got away from the truth of God's word. And every day, friend, we need the Bible. We need the word of God. Uh, we need to feed ourselves with the truth of God's word. Need to hide the word of God in our heart. That's what David said. Thy word if I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against God. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to the word. We walk in the light that stay as close to Jesus as you can stay. Stay as far away from the darkness as you can stay. Walk in the truth. That's the word of God right here. Stay in the word of God. That will keep you from the world. Let me give you one more thought. 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 4. This is so crucial. Walk in faith. Walk in faith in verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? He that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. See, the opposite of faith is fear. And a lot of times, uh, Demas, there's no doubt, hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. He quit walking by faith. And the Bible tells us, he that cometh to God must believe that he is, that is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And friend, we must walk in faith. And when you go through discouraging times, God's still God. He's still on the throne. All things still work together for good to those that love the Lord. Nothing can come to you except it crosses God's desk. Walk in faith. Walk in light. Walk in truth. And walk in faith. And this is how we overcome the world. And then I think of that wonderful, precious verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There is no temptation taking you, but such as a common man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, 
or will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. And so here tonight, as we look at Demas, isn't this precious? You know, so many things, just these names, these mentions in Colossians, as we study this out, the lessons that God teaches us. Now, I don't know any situation tonight. Here's what I do know. Is that no matter where you are, uh, maybe you're where John Mark was. See, there was a time John Mark got discouraged and quit, but he came back. And the righteous man falleth seven times, but he riseth again. I saw a baby here recently just learning to walk. And I watched that baby take a fall. I didn't see mommy and daddy say, it's hopeless. You'll never make it. Just stay down. Don't ever try again. No, no, that's not what mommy and daddy said. Get back up. You can do it. You can do it. And that's what the Lord says. That's what John Mark did. I don't know what happened to Demas. This is the last we read of him. And what a sad ending here. But I, I will tell you this, that uh, wherever you are, you can confess and go down. Let's bow our heads.